Morning, Pure Church. Morning. Lift your hands one more time to the Lord. All across the place, lift them up. Father, we just thank you for your anointing in this room today. Anything and absolutely everything that is good happens in your presence. So we declare with a resounding amen around this room that great things are in store for us this morning, that not a single one of us with a hungry heart and an open mind will leave this building the same way we came. But by heaven's touch, heaven's grace, and your sweet anointing, we will be refreshed, renewed, strengthened, empowered, and sent forth ready to take ground in Jesus' name. If they believe it, shout amen really loud. Come on, somebody. Well, we'll see what the Lord has in store for us this morning. What a great pleasure and honor it is to be with you. You can be seated if you're not already. I love your pastors. Pastor Nick and Misty are absolute brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have known them, been connected with them for many years, and really, really see you guys as family. So, it's an honor to be here. Pray everything's okay back in Claremont. But who in here was here last week? Raise your hand. Were you okay? Were you, was Antonio okay? He did okay? It was like subpar, right? People are like, man, we're just waiting for next week when Pastor Caleb arrives. We have to put up with this guy till he gets here. No, Pastor uh, Antonio's an epic man of God. But I heard he preached on joy, right? Who in here got the joy last week? Turn me to John chapter 11, verse 35. If he preached on joy, may I be the yang to his yin. John eleven thirty-five. 35. You should have known it already. Jesus wept. Look at your neighbors say, get ready to cry today. We're going to bring it down low. Last week, you laughed your way out. Today, this week, we're going to crawl out crying. Amen. No, how many people are grateful that the Lord is good? Six people actually believed it. One person was already rubbing their eyes, getting ready for it. Like, I knew it. I knew it. That's what I came for. There are definitely times in the presence of the Lord that you do weep, though. Amen? Uh, turn with me, actual fact. What, I'll get, what I'm going to begin with is just Luke chapter 4 famous bit of scripture when Jesus was like sent away by the spirit to fast for 40 days. Anybody in here ever fasted for 40 days? Yeah. Raise your hands. That's actually what Pastor Nick and Missy sent me to do today was to announce to the church that we are starting a 40 day fast. Uh, and just to take it to make sure no one slips, we're actually locking the doors and we're not leaving for 40 days until we get a breakthrough. Look at your neighbors say, get ready. It's going to get stinky before it gets better. But we will get a breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen. I've done a 40-day fast. It's powerful. I recommend if you're stuck at a place in life believing for breakthroughs and things like that, go after God. Don't ever let some religious person or some lukewarm person convince you that it, the goodness and the breakthrough is not found in God's presence. Amen. It is. Luke 4, verse 18 this is when Jesus came back from that. The Bible says, of course, he resisted the devil, and the devil departed from him after that moment because the devil can only really torment you for a season. So if you felt like you've been in a season of torment, guess what? That thing breaks. Amen. Amen. It is only a season, and the goodness of God is forever on your life. Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, 
and that the time, shout time, time. of the Lord's favor, shout favor, favor, has come. It is the time of the Lord's favor. Amen. Amen. Who believes that God is good? Yeah. Who believes that God is really good? Yeah. Who believes that it's just going to get better and better and better until one day we're walking on streets of gold and we're standing in his presence? Amen. I believe that, and I, I want you, I'm going to preach today what the Lord had had me on for a while now. Um, at the beginning of the year is the story of Joseph in the Bible that kept just over and over again in my spirit, just coming back, and just I just kept thinking of it all the time. Every week I'm studying, we had different things we were preaching, but I would always think of the coat of many colors. You know, the reality of the favor of God upon Joseph, the fact that we've all heard the sermons from, from, the, from the pit to the palace, those types of things, and ultimately he walked in the divine favor of God, and from one man's uh, favor on his life, God actually redeemed the entire nation of Israel and set them up for an absolute supernatural breakthrough, amen. So never underestimate what your life can mean for the body of Christ as a whole. God has never made a single person that was a castaway or forgotten one that has no great purpose and other people he elevates for purpose. It's always found in you. You've got to wrestle with all of those things that attack your destiny in God and say, I will rise above and I will be all that God has called me to be and I will see the hand of God shake my generation. If you're believing for that, shout amen. amen. So I want to talk to you about favor. Now, in my life, I remember years ago uh, just going through my life story of just, just everything that I've encompassed in life, just hitting the good moments, you know what I mean? Like if, if we pass the microphone in here and we really wanted to stir one another up, we could talk about so many epic things that the Lord has done in our lives. Come on, how many of you should be dead? Raise your hand. You know what I'm saying? If you can wreck it, I've wrecked it three times. And I'm still alive because the hand of the Lord was upon my life. The angels of God surrounded me. And because someone was praying that I wouldn't die in my stupidity. Come on, somebody. Hey, got to give credit where credit is due. Because I wasn't praying. I was a moron. The Bible, the, the Bible says we were foolish before we knew the Lord. I was a total fool. But the goodness of God is evident. But I could also go through my life and I could highlight all the bad things. Every junk that I've went through, even after serving the Lord, I've gone through hell eight times, you know what I mean? And we could all pass the microphone and we could all talk about how bad it is from time to time. I'm going to talk about favor today, but I don't want anybody in this room to just get stuck in this place in your mind that the devil wants to keep you, where they're saying, well, this guy's just had it easy in life, and that's why he's going to preach about this, and he doesn't know what I've been through. Everybody in this room has been through junk. But is the goal of God to keep you in the junk or to lift you up out of that miry pit and place you on streets of gold? Come on, somebody. Say, God has a plan, and it's a good plan, and I want that plan in Jesus' name. So every lying devil that wants to convince me that God is not good, I say, shut up. And get the hell out of my life. Come on, somebody. God is good. Genesis chapter 1. Turn with me in the Bible. Anybody ever read Genesis? It's good. Anybody bring your Bible today? Raise your Bible up if you've got a Bible. 
The rest of you look around. If you're single and you had your eyes on somebody and they didn't raise the Bible up, find another one. Who's got your Bibles? Raise your Bibles up. Pure church, come on. I tell you what, we're missing an opportunity. We should have brought Bibles to sell out of the back of the truck today. $52.99, special from the River Claremont this morning and once morning only. Genesis chapter 1, this is the story of creation. Beginning verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Somebody shout good. good. Shout it with authority. So the Lord is starting to create the earth for mankind. First thing he does is says, let there be light. And he looks at the light and he finds that the light is good. Then he separates the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness night. That's how that happened. <laughs> Evening passed and morning came the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. This is what happened. God, God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heaven, and he called it sky. Okay, amen. And the evening passed of the morning and came the second day. God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so the dry ground may appear. This is what happened. God called the dry ground land. Oh. And the waters were remaining seas. And God said... Saw that it was good. Somebody shout good. good. All right, so we're creating things. It was good. And then he made it good. So in other words, in the South, we call it gooder. Look at your neighbor say it gets gooder. Starts good. But it's going to get gooder. Amen. Who believes it? If you believe it, say it's mine. God said, let the land sprout with vegetation and every sort of seed-bearing plant. The trees that grow seed bearing fruit, and these seeds will produce these kinds of plants and trees from which they came. This is exactly what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants, and trees with seed bearing fruit. These seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was. Good. Oh, we see a theme here. I'm just waiting for somewhere. Day number four surely had to be bad. You know what I'm saying? Surely the Lord was like, wait, this is bad. Let's see, because so far he's knocked three and four in a row. Let's see now. Does the Lord have a bad day from time to time? Look at your neighbor. Just, just really look in their eyes and say, does God ever have bad days? Has God ever sat up there on the throne and been like, oh, my gosh. The, the enemies are all around me. Has he ever looked at the devil and once thought, man, he might take me out? No, Jesus looked at Satan as a, a lightning fall from heaven. We, we serve a God that has never been rocked, never been sweating, never been worried, never been intimidated, never done anything but good and all the time good. And that promise is for each and every single one of us today. Amen. You could keep reading says that he let the lights appear, verse 14, in the sky to separate the day from the night. Goes on to mark the seasons and everything like that. The nights that govern the day and the, the lights that govern the darkness. And God saw once more that it was? Okay. 
Then it says, the waters swarm with fish and other life. The skies filled with birds of every kind. God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. He created all the scurrying things too. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of its own kind. And God saw... I don't think you're ready for this, pure church. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Let all the fish, or let the fish fill the seas and the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then the earth, the Lord said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And this is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals and livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw. Every time the Lord ever said anything, it always accomplished exactly what God said was going to happen. And every time God said anything, he said it, and it was good. So what has God said about your life, pure church? Come on, I don't care what every mocking spirit, I don't care if you had a great-grandpappy that was rude and said all sorts of junk to you, I don't care if you're living in a household right now where someone is telling you bad things, guess what? God's word trumps every lie of hell. And any season that was not a good season is about to break way into a good season. And any season you're in that is good, get ready because it's not going to just stay good. It's going to become very good in Jesus' name. Because that's the next thing. God never took a break until finally he created man. And at the end of Genesis chapter 1, he looked at all of it and he said, now it is very good. It's very good. It's very good. God didn't make Abraham rich. God made Abraham very rich. Slap your neighbor and say, may the Abraham blessing be upon my life. Hey, somebody. We are of the seed of Abraham. Everything that God spoke over Abraham's life is still available to each and every one of us of faith right now to reach out and pluck it from heaven and say that is yes and amen over my life. In Jesus' name. It's good. But you better wait. Next year it's going to be very good. The next year is going to be even greater than that. And the next year is going to be over the top, through the roof, breaking ground. Come on. Now, the Lord spoke to me through the story of Noah. Anybody ever read that story? I'm just checking all the Bible studies. That's actually what Pastor Nick said. He said, go through all the beginning stories of the Bible. See if they actually know who Abraham is. See if they've ever heard of the name of Jesus before. So far, you're checking them off. Only a few people are looking sketchy in the crowd. But we've already got the CIA guy watching for them. Amen. We're watching everything. Amen. With Noah, you know what Noah's name means? Noah's name means rest. You know, some of, some of the greatest breakthroughs I've ever got in my life were when I took a nap. That's a freebie. That's not my message. Some of you are just stressed out. You need to go take a nap. Amen. It's just a nap, a little warm cup of milk, a blankie. You know what I'm saying? That's why in the Pentecostal churches, 
we see the most breakthrough because we know how to, man, service is going late. I'm going to get hands laid on me, and I'm going to take a 20-minute cat nap up there. They're going to throw a blanket on me. Come on, somebody. I've been, I've been in some Pentecostal churches. They don't even have, like, cloth. They have, like, fleece blankets. Actually, that's here, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We know how to get things done here. You're stressed out. You're weighed down. Come on forward. We'll heat up some milk. On the way ground, one of the trained ushers will slide a pillow in. Bow. You'll wake up and it will be very good. But the Bible says in the story of Noah. It's specific in the timeline when it begins to talk about, obviously, the rains came. No one had ever seen it before. This was God's judgment to eradicate the, 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 um, the rule and the reign of the wicked in this hour. Because the Bible actually says God looked at mankind and they only thought perverse thoughts all the time. So wickedness dominated and God said, I'm going to eradicate these people. Now, the, we read through this, the promise of God was he made mankind, he put them on the earth, he said, rule and reign over the earth, be fruitful and multiply. He gave them dominion, he gave them authority, and God said, that's very good. Those that are created in my image are going to rule and reign and be fruitful and multiply. But then wickedness took over, and God eradicated a generation and only saved Noah and his family, and the Bible goes through the flood, and it begins to list times. And it says that the waters began to recede, or recede, recede, right? And the first peaks appeared on the first day of the 10th month, which we take that to be October 1st. Yes, I understand there's differences in the Bible, but for us, that's October 1st, right? So the waters began to recede, land became to be showing the tops of the peaks on October 1st. And then the Bible begins to lay out from October 1st all the way until February 27th, the 27th day of the second month, the waters fully receded and mankind stepped back on the earth and God cut a brand new covenant with Noah and said once more, be fruitful and multiply, rule and reign over all of the earth, and reestablish a godly covenant with his people after he dealt with the wicked. I believe and I prophesy, watch the nations of the world from October until the end of February of next year. We are in a season as the body of Christ of unprecedented favor. We are going to see things shift to national levels, federal levels. God is not done with this generation, and it's only getting started, and we are not on the side of a losing team or of a God that didn't have a plan. Our God had a big, big plan, and that plan will be seen by every eye and heard by every ear. And if you are in that family, shout amen. Amen. Guys, get ready. Mark it down in your diaries if you've got one, on your friend's diary if you don't have one. (laughs) But pray every day and speak it over your life. From now until the end of next year or next February, I am going to see unprecedented favor upon my life. Things that I have never seen happen will happen swiftly over my household in Jesus' name. Now, favor encompasses a lot more than just wealth. When you walk in favor, favor is in itself walking in divine timing of God. God's timing is better than any timing of this world. Even when you read the story of Joseph, Joseph was a man given a coat of many colors. Now, first and foremost, church, 
If we want to walk in the favor of God, which we need to in this hour, because it becomes evidence of where the Lord is moving and what side to align with. That's why God's going to pour out favor, because remember this, God's plan has always been to seek and save that which is lost. That's what it all sums up to in the kingdom of God. God is going to give us favor so that we can reach the harvest in a greater dimension one more time before we get the heaven out of this place. Come on. Who is in this final harvest time? Thank God for that. It's that simple, baby. God only wants people saved. Money means nothing to the Lord. It does not impress God. It's monopoly money to the Lord. Right? Anybody ever played Monopoly with your kids? And they're like boasting about it. First of all, if you play Monopoly in the family, there's nothing that will splinter. A family get together faster than a game of Monopoly. You know what I'm saying? We, we need counseling after Monopoly. 15 years of happy marriage. We're on the verge of ending this thing. She got Park Place, and she won't trade it, and I need to get it because I've got Boardwalk, and she's just full of the devil, man. But you've never, I mean, I watch my kids and they get all of this. We got this wealth. It's not, it's nothing to you. The things of this world are nothing to our father. But the favor of God is, number one, learning to walk in divine timing. God's going to place, he's going to, if you would take this moment, this time between now and February 27th, a handful of months to be very intentional about your morning prayer time. Say, Lord, I only want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to get this thing right. I don't want to be burdened down with things I'm not supposed to do. I don't want to be stressed out trying to do what everybody tells me I'm supposed to do. I want to do what I'm supposed to do, what you've planned for me to do. And if you stay in that place of submission to God, God will begin to pour out in your life divine timing. For Joseph to get to the palace... First, he had to be thrown into a pit, and it just happened to be that traitors were walking by just at that exact moment when they were plotting to kill him. So now they said, we won't kill him, we'll sell him and make money. That's timing. Now, in the grand scheme of things, if you were to look at that, you wouldn't say you're walking in favor at that moment. I just got sold as a slave. This is not favor. This is the opposite of favor. This is not favor, but it was favor. And God took him from that to, Ponte, to, or to Potiphar's house, back to the prison, and finally to the palace. Divine timing is coming on the body of Christ. God can plan things in such a degree, in such a dimension, where you will walk in at the exact time you need to walk in to acquire the thing that nobody else could acquire before. Right there, I want you to understand something. In this world, wealth is exploding faster now than any generation has ever seen wealth. We're, wealth is being created at such an expedited rate. When just a, a couple years, we will see the world's first trillionaires. Wealth is exploding right now. And I began to think the, take the math of George Lucas that, that created Star Wars. Any Star Wars buffs? Wow, okay. Mark them, guys. They're the ones that show up at all the Harvest Fest dressed like a Wookiee. But... Thank you. I practice it. I have a suit and everything. It's really cool. 
I don't like to talk about it publicly, but you grew it out of me. I, I feel like I can trust you with this information. But when George Lucas sold Star Wars, he sold it for $6.2 billion. Listen to this. If you were to put that in an account and you were just to receive 3% interest, I factored it up way back then, and I don't remember exactly. Never do math publicly. But ultimately, it was a lot of money. From my recollection, it was around half a million dollars, I want to say, every week. That is just the interest. 500, that's a mass crusade every single week off the interest of one man's idea. And when I read that and I calculated that, I was like, God, we are thinking too small. Are you with me right now? I want to break small thinking off of your mind today. Small thinking is not something you're supposed to have. Jesus said in his word, as big as you ask, as wild as you think, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works on the inside of us. Somebody shout bigger. Bigger. See, that's what the story of creation. God didn't stop when it was good. He kept going until he got to the place that he said, now it's very good. That's the first time God rested. Only when he pushed it through to a place where he said, it's very good now. Any area of your life that's not yet very good, your marriage, your finances, your your children, guess what? You are in a season of favor, and you're going to see things go from maybe bad to good to very good in Jesus' name. It's the time of favor. Well, how do I walk in it? Number one, Joseph would have never, ever made it to the palace if the first thing his father gave him, the coat of many colors, he was ashamed to wear it. One of the biggest things I see attacked, when I became a pastor seven and a half years ago, the first thing I ever took heat for as a pastor was speaking in tongues. It's like such a, such a demonic attack on the church that so we can't pray in tongues. You better not pray in tongues publicly. If you pray in tongues publicly, you've got to have an interpretation, all of these things. It's like people just harp you on that. And you just got to look at those people and say, Hey, somebody. I mean, I, it's the Holy Ghost. He's in me. I'm not going to let some lukewarm person, because really, the people that jump on that, they don't even pray in tongues in their own private prayer closet. They just hate tongues. They hate the Holy Ghost. So they attack everybody that's got it because they've not ever been able to get it because they're too much in their mind and don't know how to tap into the presence of God. I'm just telling it like it is, so I'm sorry. And then the second thing was healing. Man, people started attacking healing in this nation. You can just track the devil's plan based upon what he attacks in the body of Christ. He attacks tongues because it's the gateway of God's power in your life. You should pray in tongues like Paul said. I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. If you got the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stir it up because that's God praying his perfect will through your life and stirring yourself up and building and edifying yourself up on your most holy faith. I will never, ever, 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 ever yield to anything other than the Holy Ghost. And then healing. People attack that. They, they, they get, it's amazing how many people in the body of Christ come out and attack divine healing angry about it because their great uncle didn't get healed and he went to a Benny Hinn meeting and so it's all fake. 
It's true. And they're like, if it's God's will, then why doesn't he heal everybody? Well, the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but there's a lot of people going to hell. And so we understand God's plan is up to us to tap into that plan. And the devil wants to keep you broke. He wants to keep you sick. And he wants to keep you powerless. So what do we do, church? We pray in tongues. We lay hands on the sick. And we better believe we are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our coming, blessed in our going. I have been made the head and not the tail. I am above and I am not beneath. Everywhere the sole of my foot treads, God has given it unto me. I tread on serpents. I stomp on scorpions. Every work of hell is dismantled when I show up. And that's why I believe it's the thanking. You want to stop, you want to walk in favor. You want to walk in the goodness of God. Number one, stop pulling everybody down in the body of Christ that gets a breakthrough. I've never seen a, a generation more apt to attack the body than this generation. Jesus even said in his word regarding the kingdom of God and then and the coming, he gave the parable of the wicked servants. That thought, well, he's not coming right now. So they began to pervert and beat their fellow servants. That's the church right now. If anybody gets a breakthrough, they must have sold out. Let's attack them all that. No, you've got to train your spirit. When another person gets a breakthrough, you should dance for them. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That breaks that jealousy spirit off of your life. It breaks that thing that wants to war in your mind to tell you, man, God picks a favorite and he didn't pick me to where now you go straight. Oh, John eleven thirty five. 35, Caleb wept. <laughs> Woe is me. God doesn't care about me. Of course he cares about Caleb. Look at those curly locks. <laughs> it's obvious he had favor. Look at him. He looks like an angel from above. Thank you very much. And nobody in this room thought that at all. But I say it out loud so that I feel like you're thinking it at least. <laughs> Makes me feel better anyways. Sometimes you got to toot your own horn. Amen. I go around the house and I sing songs about myself to my kids. I am the greatest dad in the entire world. Shut up, dad. And my kids obey my every word. Stop. And they love when I sing about shut up. I just keep singing. Not letting that nagging spirit drag me down. <laughs> so train your spirit to rejoice. Don't attack the body of Christ. We have enough enemies. We don't need to attack the bride. If all you can do on social media is attack the next great scandal in the church, stay off of social media. I promise you, if you post a scripture that would encourage someone, it would have greater value than you attacking the next big person in the body of Christ. Plus, you don't even know half of what's going on. So unless you know the person personally and have sat with them, just stay out of it. Amen? But walking in favor. First thing we got to do is actually begin to believe it. You're never going to walk in God's goodness. You're never going to believe. You're never going to confess. You're never going to reach out and grab. You're never going to have that ability to call those things which are not as though they are unless you actually believe it. It is not up to someone else to believe for a breakthrough for you. You've got to deal with this thing in your spirit. And that's what I began to realize. A lot of Christians don't know what they believe when it comes to tongues. 
They jump on the bandwagon of anything that, if, if there's opposition, they just say yes to that and follow it. If healing is opposed, they jump on that bandwagon. You've got to dig a trench, solidly build your foundation, and stand on the Word of God and know what you believe and why you believe it. I believe in the favor of God because from the beginning it was good and it only got very good. I believe in the blessing of God because every single person God singled out in Scripture, God did not leave them broke, beaten down, or disgusted. He blessed them in the city, in the field, and everywhere they went. Come on, somebody. I believe in the favor of God. And the favor of God is, as I said, God's timing upon your life to walk into a situation in such a degree, in such a dimension, that nobody else got what you got, but you walked in at the right time to get it. Years ago, we had to get my, my daughter's passport in Tampa. We had one day to get it. We messed around, got to the passport office late in Tampa. And I don't know if you've ever gone through the passport offices before, but it's like the most depressing place on planet Earth. People hate everybody in the room. It's like you're now serving number 427. And you grab a ticket and it's like 603 places packed out. Half the people are foreign so they don't shower. I'm just saying. Smells are interesting in the room. Too much information. I didn't say that out loud. Scrub that off. It's a great and wonderful place. Everybody smells wonderful. Everybody looks really happy. Hygiene is at an all-time high. So my family and I were going into this place, and we linked hands, and we prayed, God, you have to give us favor. We don't have, I think we only had 20 minutes. And we're like, we need favor in Jesus' name. We walk into the place, grab our ticket. It was like 600, whatever, now serving 400. And I go and sit up in the front. Place is packed out. They're seeing everybody. My daughter, Taylor, bends down on the ground and sees a ticket on the ground that's upside down, grabs a ticket, flips it over. And the ticket says 427, and it goes, ding, now serving number 427. Man, we, we walk right up to the front, and the guy running it saw it happen. And he's like laughing. He thinks it's the funniest thing all day long. He's like, these people are glaring at you, and you just picked that up off the ground. And he gave us like carte blanche. He waved fees. He was so happy about it. I'm going to wave that. I'm going to expedite that for you. Today's your day, brother. Come on, somebody. That's favor. That's favor. I want to live like that. Come on, somebody. You can live in the favor of God. But you got to believe it. You got to believe it. The devil wants to tell you that there is nothing special God has got lined up for you today. He wants you to wake up every day and feel like today's another day of grueling, of struggling, of just going through the motions. And you got to shake that spirit of heaviness off and say, today is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Today is a day where I am favored in the city and favored in the field. Everywhere I go, I'll see the favor of God. Come on, somebody. You'll wind up walking into places and everything just carte blanche free to you. I had a moment in Texas, you probably, maybe you've heard this story, where my father-in-law was preaching in a mega church in my early days of ministry. There was probably 1,500 people in the room. And he says, come forward, because I was like early days of ministry, six months in the ministry. Come forward and tell the people what's going on in your ministry. I mean, this is like a major opportunity for a preacher. So I get up there, and I got 10 minutes, and I'm like, God's oh, doing this. He favored, blessing, breakthrough, revival. 
you know, and I go sit down and someone taps me on the shoulder and I thought for sure, this is a pastor. He wants me to come preach. Open door. And the guy leans in and says, I just want to tell you, brother, your pants are ripped. It's a true story. I'm up there in front of 1,500 people just flashing my underwear the whole time. I think I'm like God's man of faith and power. You know what I'm saying? Everybody can feel the anointing. Nobody felt the anointing. All they felt was embarrassment for this young kid with his underwear hanging out the back of his pants. I only had one suit, and that suit was now gone. I felt like this big. You know what I'm saying? You just want to disappear. You take your suit coat off. You tie it around your waist. You feel like a total loser and a moron. Things were tight. Six months in the ministry, you know, the offerings weren't really breaking through. So I go down to the store. I have to buy a suit to preach Sunday morning in a church. And I don't have any money, and I see this Ben Sherman suit. I mean, just that's my, one of my favorite suit companies. I was a, was a Nordstrom fancy suit, but I'm like, man, I don't really have it. And I just felt the Spirit of God say, buy it. So I grabbed the suit, and I'm walking forward. I'm like, you can always put it on a credit card. That's most people's faith anyways. And I go, and I'm waiting in line, and when I go to, to buy the suit, the person takes the tags off, puts it in the bag, hands it to me, and was like, here you go. And I was like, well, I haven't paid for it. They said, you didn't see the lady come around you before she paid for that suit. I was like, what? A lady in the Nordstrom knew who we were in the ministry and happened to be shopping at that exact moment in the Nordstrom, saw me buying the suit, and God prompted in her heart, buy that man that suit right now. And she walked up there and paid for the suit, and I didn't even know it. That's favor. That's timing. That's the glory of God. Come on. But if I would not have believed, if when the Lord prompted me, go ahead and get it, if I had believed smaller, if I'd believe less, if I'd convince myself that's not the Lord, I'm just going to go down to K&N fashion and find me one of those olive green suits with 17 buttons. It's the first suit I ever bought was from that place. Didn't matter what shirt you matched with it, it never looked good. In the right, wrong light, it changed colors. One time it's olive green, the next time it's like an ugly, dilapidated gray. Then you stand in this, it's like maroon. How can one suit be three ugly colors at once? That's skill. It's favor of God. It's just walk, walking in God's divine timing. God is going to start orchestrating your steps. But what Pastor Chris shared this morning is so important. It begins with waking in the morning and praising the Lord. Rejoicing, training your spirit to rejoice in the goodness of God, declaring it over your life, and then that favor will be upon you all the days of your life. When you ain't stressing and you ain't worried and you're just walking around cheerful and happy, guess what? It's like an attraction for the things of God to where it just keeps addling, adding, and compounding and compounding. Favor, do you believe it? Do you believe it? The Bible says about Abraham. That yes, he was old when God gave him the promise that you would be the father of many nations. He was 100 years old, if I remember. And his wife was 90 years old. And the Lord spoke it. Evidently, the blessing of God makes you age backwards or something. 
Because that woman that was 90 years old was suddenly attractive to everybody around him. And they were plotting to sleep with his wife at 90. That's miraculous, bro. So apparently just believing in favor has added benefits. Come on. I'm going to be 90 years old and George Clooney wishes he was me. Three, three ladies just took notes. This is my blessing in Jesus' name. We're going we're gonna to end right there for prayer. Open it up for every person believing to age backwards. We've got the Benjamin Button anointing in the room tonight. People be clawing each other on the way forward. It's mine. That's, have you ever read that, though, and thought, that is crazy. Like, she went from 90, being ancient, according to the Bible, to now people are, like, plotting to sleep with her. I'm just saying, never, am I, never mind. I'm just stopping right there. Miraculous. But the reason why God blessed Abram, Abraham is Scripture actually says that he was fully persuaded and staggered not. He was fully persuaded and staggered not at the promises of God. And so he locked in in his belief system, I am who he says I am, and I have what he says I have. And it doesn't matter if a million voices rise up against me and say you don't have it. Guess what? You're going to be frustrated and I'm going to be blessed. It's just fuel to the fire because what he says is what I believe and what he has said and decreed over my life is yes and amen in this hour. I am favored by God. Even with Mary, when the angel of the Lord showed up and spoke to Mary, blessed are you, you've been highly favored among women. She said, whatever you say, let it be done unto me. Come on, somebody. Favor. Do you believe it? I believe it. Do you believe it? You'll receive it. Believing receives. There's a story in scripture where Jesus was walking and a man came up to him and said, please come with me. I believe it was his servant that was sick. He said, come to my house and pray for my servant. And Jesus said, basically along the lines, if you believe, your servant will be healed right now. And scripture says the man believed him and turned and went back home. And people came from his house to meet him and said, rejoice because your servant has been made well. He said, what time was he made well? And he calculated and the Bible says it was the exact moment Jesus said it and he believed it is when it happened. Come on, somebody. What the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty four: 24. You can ask anything of God. And when you pray, if you believe, somebody shout believe. believe. If you believe that you receive them, you shall have whatsoever you say. Belief is it, man. Get it in your spirit, man. From this day forward, open the Bible. Open every bio, book you can read about the goodness and the favor of God. Consume it until it's in your spirit. That's who I am. If anybody's going to walk in divine favor, it will be me in Jesus' name. And that favor will open doors. That favor will cause crazy things to happen. You won't have it, and then you'll have it in Jesus' name. Come on. Things that break other people will be just dropped off the back of you like nothing ever came up whatsoever because the favor of God on your life will cause you to exceed and take every mountain ahead of you. Do you believe it? If you believe it, shout it's true.
Lift your hands across the place to the Lord right now. Just take a moment. Just begin to thank God for his promises. Come on. It's, it's the thanksgiving. The Bible says, pray with all perseverance and supplication. That's humbly asking God with thanksgiving in your heart. Come on, stir it up here, church. Get loud. Get proud. Man, the Lord is on your side. Come on, what is it you're believing for? What area of your life are you like, Pastor Caleb, it's good. But I believe what you say. It's going to go from good to very good in Jesus' name. I'm believing and confessing. You got a business? Go ahead and speak over that business. I'm going to break every barrier in this business. I'm going to break every glass ceiling, every word of, 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 that's ever been spoken against me. I'm going to see that word unraveled in Jesus' name. I will rise above right now. Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. You're good, God. You're good, God. You're, you're wonderful, King Jesus. I bless your name. Your name is the highest of names. Your name is the El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. You are the God of my life, the God of favor, the God of breakthrough, the God of deliverance, the God of way making, the God of light, the God of freedom, the God of healing, the God of goodness, the God of mercy, the God of redemption, the God of righteousness. You are my King. King. And I belong to your kingdom, and that is a kingdom without end, and a kingdom that is unshakable, a kingdom that will overtake the kingdoms of men. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Come on, pure church. Thank you. You wonderful King Jesus. Wonderful counselor. Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Lord of all, Jesus Emmanuel. Oh, the government rests upon the shoulders of my God. I am not worried about this or that. I am not worried about what tomorrow brings. Recessions don't scare me because they don't touch the kingdom that I'm a part of. It's a kingdom where the river that flows from the throne of grace and everywhere that river goes is healing, is deliverance, is provision. In Jesus' name, that's over my house. It's over my kids. My kids will walk in abundance. I will not fear for the next generation. Because the goodness of God is upon the church in this hour. We shall not lack. We shall not lack. Jesus, we shall not lack. I always like to challenge people that. Because what we can do sometimes, it is good. But the goodness of God and the word of God does not just say that he supplies your need. He is more than just a need fulfiller. He's a God of abundance. He didn't just make a tree. We don't walk out in the world and look at tree. There's oak trees, maple trees. There's more than one type of oak tree. My gosh, you get around arborist or whatever. That, is that it? Arborist. That's it. Yeah. Praise God. I looked intelligent. <laughs> They'll tell you that's a, that's a yellow finned maple wagger wagger tree. My dad was one of those people. I mean, walk into any woods. That, that right there is a... Is a, is a sugar-covered maple oak tree. Just knew them all by heart. I'm like, it's a tree. There's birds everywhere. How many people are grateful there's not bird? 
Look at bird. There's birds. And that's another world, bro. You get the wrong people with birds. They know those names. That's the double-breasted, whipper-whapper, split-tail. You ever follow that? People travel the world just to take pictures of them. Not even take pictures. They just have to see them and write it in a diary. Where's the proof? Well, we didn't take a photo, but I tell you, I saw it. Yellow-bellied chicken liver. I was, I was picking on that one time. Someone got so mad because they were actually one of those bird enthusiasts. They left the church, unfortunately. So if there's any bird, bird enthusiasts here, I'm not picking on you. I just don't know them. It's a bird. It's a red bird. It's a blue bird. It's a brown bird. It's a big bird. It's a small bird. Ugly bird, loud bird, mocking bird, annoying bird. But God didn't make a bird. He made birds. God's a God of extravagance and abundance. And the realms of the spirit are available to every single born again believer. That's why the enemy works tirelessly to convince you the things that you're not special. Back off of these things. Just chill out. Just wait until one day when you get to heaven. But the Bible says pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. My job is I'm going to get to heaven, but my job on earth is to bring heaven to earth. And in heaven, there is fullness of joy. There is no sickness. Come on, somebody. There's no bird flu, swine flu, COVID flu, bat flu. No flu is in heaven. You don't need a vaccine. You don't need a vaccine passport to get there. You don't need 17 shots with your one-year-old by the time they're one month old. My God, there's favor in the kingdom of God. But you got to wrestle with the thing. What do I believe about it? And then if you believe and you stand for the promises of God, do you know what comes with that? Haters. People, you will be impressed by this. But as God begins to bless your life, there will be people more dedicated to your failure than you're dedicated to your success. It's the wildest thing you will ever see. And you can see it across the world. His brothers hated him so much. They plotted Joseph's demise. I mean, they just, actual fact, if you read Joseph in the Bible, it says three times they hated him. They hated him. They hated him even more. I mean, it was like a stirring anger. Use, I've noticed you can even put scripture, just scripture, no opinion about it, no explanation about it, just one scripture online and people will manifest. And it's the word of God they're attacking and they're Christians. But they're like, just comes right out of them. You're not one of those people that believes God's good, are you? Right? They, they just spew diarrhea right out of their mouth. You will attract people more dedicated to your failure than you are dedicated to your success. When you begin to walk, that's why you've got to wrestle with, do I believe it? Do I believe it comes from God? Do I believe it's beneficial from God? Do I believe that when the Lord gives it to me, I will have the wisdom to know what to steward with everything God opens up in my life, and I will use it to build his kingdom. 
And then if so, then I understand there will be people that rise up dead set praying for my failure, speaking my failure, attacking my good name and making things up. And am I going to spend my whole time trying to defend myself to them or keep my eyes on God, follow the plan of heaven on my life and keep my heart pure in Jesus name. Amen. Because that's the goal. The goal is to taint your heart and get you bitter as they attack you to where everything God did release did get tainted because you got a bitter heart. Come on, somebody. Just because another person hates doesn't mean you got to hate. You just love them. Because when his brothers came to him, Joseph did not stand up and say, you threw me in a pit. You, you tried to murder me. He welcomed them in and hugged them. And so it goes to show you that's why God chose Joseph. Because Joseph would keep his heart pure. And that's the test. You want to walk in the favor? You can't compromise. Joseph, when Potiphar's wife came, he was, the Bible says that clearly that everything in the house was his. That even Potiphar didn't know the wealth that he possessed. It was all in the hands of Joseph. Joseph said, everything is mine except for your, his wife, except for you, but I will not dishonor my master. But if he had compromised right there, how long would that have gone on? The wages of sin is enjoyable for a season, but after that, there's death, bro. And there's a lot of people that compromise. To walk in God's favor, never forget the Lord thy God, for it is he that has given you the power to create wealth. Always keep your heart humble towards God, realizing I will not compromise and I will not sell out. I will not let the taintness, the anger, the bitterness of this world get into my heart and tangle and tangle my life and ruin the blessing of God on my life. I'm going to keep myself free hearted, full of love. I'm going to laugh the attacks off. I'm going to bless those that come against me. I'm going to rise above and I'm going to keep moving forward and I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, somebody. Don't compromise. There's a lot of people that will compromise. We see it even in the body of Christ, and it is unfortunate. People rise to a level, and then they begin to compromise. The enemy wants to find that button. That's what he did with Jesus. He took him up everywhere, took him to the, the mountaintop. I'll give you all the kingdoms of, of, of this world in a moment of time. I'll give you this. I'll give you that if you would just compromise. That's why you got to firmly stay in the presence of the Lord. Stay humble. Recognize it's God that gives it all to you anyways. God can raise kings up and he can bring kings down. And let me tell you something. You want to be on the side where he's raising you up and not on the side where he has to bring you down low. Because ain't nobody humble like the Lord will humble. Right? Where you lived is no longer even there. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep your heart pure. Don't compromise. Compromise is, is a weapon that the enemy uses by small things. Coming in to nag at you, to get you to make an adjustment here, make an adjustment there. You've got to keep your heart pure, keep your eyes on the Lord, and walk upright in this land. Do not sell out to become popular with mankind. Do not cater to the haters so that they would stop hating on you and compromise the word of God. Come on, somebody. You can't compromise what you believe. You can't cater to those of this world. You're full of love. You're full of grace. But where you're going and what you believe is entirely what the Lord has said. And that is what I'm going to stand on all the days of my life. I love you with the love of the Lord. I have no hatred in my heart for anybody. You can attack what you want to attack. But my eyes are on the Lord and I'm moving on and I'm going to keep my heart pure. You can't compromise. Come on, somebody. Favor. God is the one that pours it out. So God will be the one to stop the flow if your heart begins to get tainted. Just ask King Saul.
had everything given to him, and then his heart got tainted, he got prideful, puffed up in his own mind, and his own eyes, and the Lord's spirit departed from him. Samson, the same thing. Don't compromise. Just because the Delilah's out there doesn't mean you got to go to bed with her. And it's more than just a lustful compromise. There are many areas people compromise in. People compromise, number one, just in the doctrinal truth of the Word of God. To cater to the masses, even pulling away from tongues and things like that. Stay with what you know is the truth of the Word of God. And don't, let, don't compromise what God has given you based upon the attack of this world to make you chill out and be like they are. Come on, somebody. I'm not like you are. And ultimately, you will see by my life that you want to be like I am because I have tapped into something that is real. And it's good, and it's only going to get gooder in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Shout, it's true. You got to believe it. You got to not compromise. And then like King David, favored of God, the Bible says, ultimately, there's no one in Scripture that you could pick on more to realize the favor of God than King David. When he said, he is a man whose heart is after my own heart. That he sent Samuel out in the middle of nowhere to find David and anoint him as king. Did David walk perfect all the days of his life? No, he screwed up probably worse than most of us in this room. Come on. I was listening to a preacher the other day. He was talking about his cousin when his cousin was like a teenager. He was a country boy and he was asked to preach in his church. And he got up to preach in his church and he was trying to talk about idolatry. But he's a country boy. He pronounced it adultery. And his opening line was adultery. I've done it. You've done it. We're all going to do it again. How to lose a crowd in 10 seconds. Adultery. I've done it. You've done it. We're all going to do it again. <laughs> Well, King David did it. <laughs> and the Lord still kept his favor upon his life. Number one, because he was quick to repent. But beyond that, too, he remained humble. You know, he is so believed in sowing and reaping, so to speak. As, he's, as Scripture said, that's David that said, I have been young and I've been old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God lifted David up as a shepherd boy with no inheritance from his father. So low in the totem pole, he was referred to as a servant to be the king of the nation of Israel and Judah. His name forever solidified in talks of who Jesus was. He is from the root of David. There is not a higher honor you could be given than that. Come on. He wasn't perfect, but he remained humble. He so believed in it. That even when Saul's life was handed to him, when Saul came into a cave to take a bathroom break, there is never a time you are more vulnerable than that moment. Right? And David was right there so close, he cut the hem of the dude's robe and then was grieved in his spirit for doing it. And because David would not forcefully take something, because he didn't sow that, he never reaped that. The kingdom remained in his hands all the time until his son took it over. It's interesting to think that. But stay humble and be patient. 
I'm talking about the favor of God, the reward of heaven, the goodness of God upon your life. Let me tell you how many things in my life I have put down a timeline for. I will see this done in three years or that's it. Guess what? Three years goes by, four years goes by, five years goes by, six years goes by. I go through every emotion. I'm not anointed. I'm not called. I'm the greatest loser that has ever walked planet earth. Oh my God, why? To finally back in faith and then it happens. Come on, God's midnight hour is not my midnight hour. I don't know why his time is different than my time. I wish it was the exact same as my time because it would be a lot more emotionally easy to go through. But I've learned that. David remained humble. If you read scripture, I think what it works out to be was 23 years that he fled for his life before he became king. 23 years after the time he was anointed by Samuel and said, you are the next king. 23 years after he slayed Goliath before he was ever anointed and brought in officially as the king. 23 years is a long time to wait. But it's not like he was doing nothing. Come on. In the journey of walking out the call of God on your life, don't just don't mistake the fact that it's a title or it's a destination. And until I get there, I do nothing. No, the Bible says those that wait on the Lord, they will be strengthened. In other words, while I'm waiting on it, I am not just waiting and remaining the same. I am building myself up stronger and stronger, speaking and declaring and stirring up my spirit so that when that thing comes, I will be ready for it according to the timing of my Father. I'm stirring myself up. Walking in the favor of God is realizing it's not all about instant gratification. It's not all this suddenly. God is a God of suddenly. But breakthroughs sometimes take 20 years in the back room before it suddenly breaks in a moment in front of everybody else. Understand that dynamic and realize anything that is given to you in a day, you'll lose it in half the time. But if you have to persevere to get it, my God, you will honor everything God places in your life if it came with a price tag. And that was what David said. I will never give the Lord something that costs me nothing. Come on, somebody. You want to know that one of the number one keys to getting to the next level, it is just having the, 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 the character and the fortitude to not quit. Many people quit. We call it spiritual things. Shifting. I feel a shift. No, you feel like quitting. And you're trying to spiritualize the fact that you're a quitter. But quitters never win and winners never quit. Sometimes I may look beat up, run down, look like I'm not a winner, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to be in the place when God wants me in the place. And guess what? On the timing of the Lord, he will look down and say, now's the moment. Now I can trust you. Get ready to receive. Get ready to see it come through because God is planning things for you and I even right now. Good things are ahead. But don't quit. I feel like most of the time when you, when you quit, that's it right at the point of breakthrough. It's like the biggest attack to shut down, back away, be quiet, and quit is right moments before your next breakthrough. And unfortunately, too many people will never know that the breakthrough was right there. They will feel justified in their quitting because they never saw it come. But for those rare breed, and I think Pure Church is that rare breed... That we just come out swinging even if we can't see. Come on, somebody. 
Hey. I mean, I've been breaking through, fasting, doing everything. I'm tired. I'm beaten down. I'm exhausted. I'm bloodied. But one more time. I'm coming out. And this time, I'm going to come out with everything I've got. And that's what it takes. Samson did that with the Lord. He said, one more time, anoint me, God. And the Bible says, in the last day of his life, he took out more Philistines than he did all the previous days combined. Your end is greater than your beginning. Come on, somebody. God is not a God of the slow decline into oblivion. God is a God of increase, reward, fulfillment, purpose, destiny, assignment. He said, be fruitful and multiply. 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 What you have today is going to multiply in the hands of the almighty God. Come on, somebody. Everything you possess right now today is a seed to make tomorrow greater and greater and greater. Everything you plant today will guarantee tomorrow will have more. So plant your praise. Plant your worship. Plant your prayers. Plant your de declarations. Plant your time with God. Make every, every attempt every day. He is the God of now. He is the God of today. And today, Lord, I do rejoice. Today, Lord, I declare you are on my side and you have gone ahead of me and you are making the crooked path straight. You know what that means? When a crooked path gets straight, there is no quicker way from one destination to the next than a straight line. He's saying, I will accelerate the timeline ahead of you. If you would just trust me, I will take every curve out and everything that took too long, and I will make you get there swifter than you could ever dream you would get there. So don't quit. Come on, somebody. And then lessons of the favor. Abraham believed. David didn't quit. Joseph didn't compromise. And Paul Stayed in his lane. It's true. Paul never tried to be something he wasn't. You want to walk in the favor of God? Stop trying to be what everybody else is. You are not like everybody else. Come on. Be like if me, if I got up and wrestled her to lead worship tonight or today. I don't know why. You keep it so dark in here. I think it's nighttime. What if I did that? Because it's like, I want to be like her. Give me that microphone. I'll show you what true worship looks like. Step aside. You are Alpha and Omega. That's right, sister on the second row. Let's close your eyes. Get ready to receive. He is. I'm not that. Now listen. It's not like that's easy. I'm, a, I'm very vulnerable as a preacher. I'll tell you. We just finished October outpouring where the glory of God showed up in the place. Friday night was probably one of the most insane nights of meetings I've ever been in. Pastor Jeff was there. You were there, yeah? Friday night. The, the, it was like an atomic bomb of God's presence erupted. And I mean, we saw, it was, it was group deliverance. It was a time I mean, it was like the, the intensity of the glory of God was so strong. It was like a manifestation of people literally getting set free. I mean, nobody's laying hands on them. No one's calling them out. But I mean, suicidal spirits on young kids. It was like a wrenching, wasn't it? They were like, ah! It was like just, and I was like, that's it. Free, free. And it was all around. There wasn't like one, two. It was like 
15 teen, just grand deliverance. It was like God broke the thing wide open. And then right after, just the saturation of the joy of the Lord. I mean, people were the lap rolling. A girl got up. She was like, what happened? She had been suicidal. Her mom's a literal witch. Taught her how to do spells against people. She used to go to school and sell spells and do all of these things with books. And her sister's a Wiccan. And then she comes to church, suicidal. The power of God sets her free. She starts laughing. She's in there every Sunday, just tears streaming down her face, worshiping the Lord. That's the kingdom of heaven. Come on, somebody. Listen. That's available. You carry that with you. You don't carry it like other people. Because that day, Friday night, the power of God, from the start of the service till the end of the service, the glory of God never stopped pounding the place. It was heaven invading earth. But three hours before, I was in my bedroom crying. Crying not because it was God's goodness. Crying saying, I'll never be a revivalist. Because I can't sing songs. I don't know. How, every time I sing, people plug their ears, God. No, seriously. I was like, it's not fair. Rodney Howard Brown knows a whole line. I was listening to Benny Hinn, too, just back in the day of Benny Hinn. When they used to get up and they would just, and he can't sing either, but, you know. <laughs> but, like, 45 an hour of just the old hymns. And they had that in their spirit, you know. And they would just be like, oh, just... Oh, lift it up, lift it, Cheryl. And they would just go from one song about the, the 45 minutes, and I don't know any of those songs, you know what I'm saying? I get up, and I'm like, just lift it, uh, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. I don't know what it means, but I hope it's anointed. Oh, Lord. We always sing it when we had s'mores. It must mean something good. And I cried in my bedroom. I mean, broken before God, saying, Lord, what's the point? Because I'll never be able to break my generation free because I don't carry the repertoire. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in tent meetings. I don't know church structure like they do. I don't know. I hear them, and they're like, in the service, on the back row, on the third seat, there's a lady right now. You came from Wichita. I get up, and I'm like, who likes bubble gum? I'm like... <laughs> It's not fair. These guys are like in this realm right now. I tell you by the spirit of God. And I get up and I'm crack a joke. And it weighs on me sometimes. And I, that night I was in my room crying. Lord, please. Please show up. Please. I can't sing. I, I literally listened to six hours of songs to get it in my spirit, trying to, and writing them down in my notes so that I could get up there and at least try it. And you get up there and your mind goes blank. And you're like, and not a single song comes to mind. But the presence of God showed up. And he took over and I just ran. That night, I mean, three hours, I didn't even hardly say anything. It was just the power of God. Just wave after wave of his goodness and his glory. And all I had to do was just stand there and make a way for him. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. You are who you are and you're not somebody else. If you try and be someone else, you will be at best a mediocre copy of that person. But they can never be you and you can never be them. 
and rest in that. And yes, I'm, I'm vulnerable. I say that so that you realize there are times that you get up and you're like, I am not the one. Anyone else could do it better than I can do it. But guess what? God doesn't look on the outward appearance. And he doesn't listen to your attacks against your own self. He speaks right back into your identity. The glory, the wonder of God. And all he needs is you to submit and you to surrender. And if you would yield to the Holy Ghost, it won't look like someone else. Because it isn't someone else. Come on, somebody. It's God using you with everything that he, if you have been made through and everything you've walked through. Everything that you are, God redeems the entirety of who you are. And he doesn't have to scrap parts of it so that you become like someone else. He uses you as you are. Walking in the favor of God is staying in your lane. And that, that goes on to say not doing what everybody pressures you to do. I can tell you as a leader, many people will tell you what you should be doing. But they will not be the ones to actually show up to do it. They'll just tell you what you should have done. Well, at the end of the day, you have to sit there and say, sorry, but who are you and what have you built? And including in your own life, you can't tell me everything I'm supposed to be raising my kids, everything that's important. I am following God. And I'm going to stay in my lane and you stay in your lane. And if we stay in our lane and we don't get judgmental about everybody else, come on, then guess what? We will look like an army that has one general because that's who we are. I don't have to know everybody's part. Come on, somebody. Thank God for that. What if God tried to make us all aware of everything that needs to happen and everything that's got to go to play, to everything in Port St. Lucie that he wants done today, and he dropped it entirely on one person? I need you to get this, this person over here. And God just disperses it to where Chris is going to get coffee, but he's on an assignment from God. He's staying in his lane, but because he's rejoiced that day, God uses him for that miracle that he had in mind that needed to happen. And Chris goes on, full of joy, used by God by staying focused and staying in his lane. Come on, somebody. Pure church, let me tell you something. Do not be burdened down trying to be what you're not. Don't try and be what everybody else tells you you're supposed to be. Really spend time with the Lord and figure out who am I in Christ Jesus. Sometimes that's a wrestling of your own shortcomings and low self-esteem. Sometimes the thing you're warring against is not even the devil. It's your own small thinking. It's your own low self. It's your own image of yourself that you've got to rise up, look in the mirror and say, by the word of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the anointing of his spirit. You listen here, young man. You are who he says you are, not who you feel you are. You know, it, it, I, I guess I'm just showing, sharing everything today. You know, I'm, a, I'm an outgoing person, but there's times that I fall, I go in the shell mode because I'm an observer too. And anytime, like I had to go in the ministry and I go in a back room and there's a bunch of preachers, before I go in the room, I have to speak over myself. You're social. People like you. You will be funny. You will not droop in the corner. I have to declare that. I had to do that the other day at a birthday party with all these people coming in, multimillionaires. I was like, you look here. And you're looking at myself in the mirror. You are a child of God. You're anointed. You are called. You are sent. You're in a place of obedience. His hand goes with you. You don't show up empty. God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You got to stir that up. 
Lest you let the world push you into a place to say, stay in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I'm a dance, son. Woo! The promises of God are yes and amen. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Favor goes from timing. Timing gives you access. God's favor upon your life is going to grant you access to things you couldn't access before. Whether that be people that possess the keys of something that you need. Whether that be funding, there's a story in the Bible of the woman of God that, made, that, that opened up her house to the prophet of God. And then famine came. She made a room on. The prophet stayed and blessed her with a son. And the famine came for seven years and she fled the land for seven years. Went to a foreign country and came back. And the exact same day she came back and walked into the king's courtyard to discuss what happened to her land for seven years of her absence. Gehazi, the servant of the prophet, was sitting with the king telling him the story of the son of this woman that came back from the dead. And as he tells the story, scripture captures it. He looks up and says, look, Lord King, there is the woman right there whose son was raised from the dead. And the king shouts, bring her forward. She runs, she runs for it. Almost this is Caleb's paraphrase. She runs up there and the king says, everything that your land produced for the last seven years is restored to you now. You didn't lose a single thing. Give it to her before she even left. That is supernatural timing and that is divine access. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. There are rooms that are negotiating trillions. There are rooms that are negotiating billions. There are writers writing Star Wars-like stories that will go on to shape a generation for years to come. Who is to say that that is not in this room right now? Oh, come on. Come on, pure church. Divine access. But when you have access, this is the close, and I'm beginning to wrap up with this. I don't know what time you usually close. I'm going to lay hands on people here in a moment. Okay, you've got God's timing. You've got God's access. Here's the key to it all. Boldness. Boldness. That there's a time in your life you're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to declare something from your mouth by faith that everybody calls you crazy to declare, but have the boldness to speak it out in Jesus' name. Everywhere you read in the scripture where something supernatural happened, they believed, therefore they spoke. Abraham declared it. Joseph declared it. He had the dream and he said, in this dream, this is what I saw. He declared it from his mouth. You got to have boldness to rise up and say, this is what will happen in my life in Jesus name. Stand to your feet right now across the place. Father, I just bless pure church. I bless Pastor Nick and Misty. I declare over those pure-hearted leaders, the favor of God is on their lives and on their household and on their children. Everywhere they tread, everything they place their hand to, we declare it will prosper in Jesus' name. 
Father, I pray over pure church, over the leadership, a gift of faith be upon this house. We, pro- we prophesy from now until the end of February, extreme unprecedented favor will be upon this ministry. Things they have planned, things they have dreamed of for a decade. Father, may the windows of heaven open up and pour them out upon their lives, even now in this season, in Jesus' name. The individuals in this room that have dreamed big, Father, that are planning and saying, God, I know that there's something more for me. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray the anointing of God come upon them supernaturally in Jesus' name. To believe, to speak, to dream, to lay hold of the promises of God. To pull them out from the nothing world into this world for all to see. Father, I thank you for that. I bless this place. I bless every family. Those believing for increase, I declare the favor of God be upon you to increase you. Supernaturally. The Bible says the silver and gold is mine. If God's got to make an angel show up with a gold bar, come on church. He's a miraculous God of provision and supply. He's a miraculous God of provision and supply. And all good things come from him. Things that I can't